This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to the Grow Your Business and Grow Your Wealth podcast with Gary Helt. Gary is an expert in helping business owners put together a plan that will provide a better future for their businesses, themselves, and their families. On the podcast, Gary interviews other professionals who share his vision, and together they share secrets and strategies any business owner can use to build a better financial foundation for your business and your life. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, our guest is Taylor Jesse, who's an investment advisor and the director of financial planning at Taylor Hoffman. Welcome, Taylor. Hi, Gary. Thanks for having me. So tell us some about yourself. How did you, did, you know, you didn't go straight into finance out of college. Um, you kind of, you know, went the good guy route, went accounting first, but uh, <laughs> tell, tell us about that. Yeah, yeah. So um, like you mentioned, I, I didn't originally start out in finance. Um, I went to Baylor University down in Texas and I studied accounting. So, you know, I was on that track. Uh, I got my CPA. I worked for a big four accounting firm straight out of college um, in the audit department. So pretty much nothing to do with personal finance. Um, and I mean, working in public accounting, it was a great you know, job. Um, it was a great first job out of college. Um, but I, I knew pretty early on that it wasn't the right job for me. Mm -hmm. um, I just wasn't passionate about it. Um, and really, I just kind of stumbled upon, you know, personal finance as a career track. Um, I never really thought about it in school. Um, didn't even really know it was a thing, to be honest. Um, so at the time, um, I'm basically a year into my, um, or I'm basically a year into um, working at the big four accounting firm. And I know it's not for me. So I start to work with a headhunter, um, you know, an accounting, you know, finance headhunter. And just by, you know, kind of dumb luck, honestly, um, there was an opening for um, um, the title was client advisory associate for a multifamily office uh, investment firm in Dallas. Texas. Um, so I looked more into it, seemed like a really good fit. Um, it helped that I have a lot of family in the finance industry. So they were able to kind of coach me up and, you know, give me the inside scoop on what that career path looks like. Um, and I guess, so for those who don't know, um, a multifamily office is, um, it's a financial planning firm for ultra high net worth clients. Um, with this particular firm, the minimum account size was, I think, $10 million. So it's, it's basically financial planning for um, ultra high net worth um, clientele. So very exclusive, you know, very hands-on. Um, of course, you know, this being my, I was a year out of college, um, brand new to personal finance. So it, I wasn't, you know, straight out of the gate. I wasn't like hobnobbing, you know, with $10 million clients. Right. They didn't, obviously they wouldn't trust me enough at that point, And I wouldn't trust myself enough at that point. 
Um, so I was more behind the scenes, you know, learning about these clients, um, doing some, you know, more back office operational type services. Um, after about a year or so, I was able to start sitting in on the client meetings and, you know, getting more FaceTime with the clients, um, but still, you know, mostly behind the scenes. Um, so I worked there for three years. Uh, it was, you know, is a, a, a great company. Um, they really took good care of their employees and, and their clients, obviously. Um, but again, after about two or three years, I kind of, you know, still felt like, um, you know, while I knew I wanted to be in the personal finance industry, um, I just didn't feel as passionate about, you know, working with the high, ultra high net worth um, clientele. Um, you know, nothing against that at all. Um, right. um, I just didn't feel like my talents or, you know, my passion was in that demographic. Um, so getting that FaceTime though in front of, in, in front of clients really kind of sparked my interest in being um, a lead advisor, um, a lead financial advisor for really more like your, you know, your average Joe, you know, middle-class type of person. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the type of financial planning where you, you can really make like a tangible difference in people's lives. Um, again, not that you can't with, you know, ultra high net worth clients, but it's just, you know, it's just a different set of problems or a different type of planning, if you will. Um, so that brought me to my next opportunity, um, becoming a, um, you know, going on the financial advisor trainee um, course with a large, you know, well-known Wall Street brokerage firm in Richmond, Virginia. Uh, so same industry as what I was doing before, but really kind of a, the exact opposite gig of what I was doing with the multifamily office. Um, I mean, as a trainee, my job was really to bring on new clients, um, you know, in the space that I think you would call the mass affluent um, space, you know, so people with 200,000 to, you know, 5 million in assets. Right. Um, so I worked there for about two and a half years. Um, ultimately, I, it felt more like a sales job, which, you know, I knew that going in um, right. I, and I thought I'd be good at it. Um, but Ultimately, it was it was kind of more of a glorified sales position, um, which that's kind of the dark side of a lot of the you know big Wall Street firms is um, that advisors are mostly paid to sell. Um, you know, they might be working off of commissions. Um, sure, for sure, they do financial planning, but um, it kind of seemed more like the end goal was to you know sell something um, as opposed to you know spending time analyzing the numbers, you know, doing the technical you know, tax, you know, planning type right. analysis that I was mo mostly passionate about, which, so that leads me to where I'm at today, um, Taylor Hoffman here in Richmond, Virginia. Um, and so kind of circling back up to the original question, you know, what, how did I end up in finance? You know, really it was just a desire to make a difference in people's lives, um, you know, which was harder to do in a, you know, in a sales or commission driven environment, you know, it's not impossible. Of course, you know, there's good and bad advisors, you know, with every firm, uh, but it's just a different environment. You know, it's more of like an eat what you kill, you know, lone wolf type environment, which is the total opposite of what it is here at Taylor Hoffman. So, you know, I don't have to worry about, you know, feeding my family, you know, putting food on the table, whether or not I'm bringing in new clients or, you know, selling something. Um, so I have the opportunity to really do what I love doing, which is building relationships with people, you know, learning what makes them tick, what makes their families tick, and, you know, spending a lot of time doing deep dives into the numbers, you know, looking at taxes, you know, looking, you know, really doing that, you know, um, 
you know, deep analysis that, um, you know, really drives the financial planning experience. So th those are the things I love doing. Right. Right. So, um, you know, so, so in the, the finance side of things, you've kind of gotten, gotten, you know, your teeth cut on some, some things that you didn't enjoy so much and, mm -hmm. and so forth, you know, in those experiences, uh, what are some of the questions that you really wish that, that the clients were, would have asked, but they didn't? Right. Yeah. And that's a tough one, to be honest, Gary. Um, you know, with brand new clients, I really try to make it clear that I'm an open book and I'll answer any questions that they have. Um, I think a lot of it goes to, you know, goes back to personality. Um, I, I think I like to think of myself as pretty laid back. And I think naturally I, you kind of attract people that are like you. So kind of naturally I'm attracting more laid back type clients. Um, and I think when you have that type of rapport with people where it's not, you know, all stuffy and you know sterile. I think they're they feel um, more comfortable asking you questions that are on their mind and knowing that it's a, you know an open and safe environment. Um, they might be more hesitant to ask questions that they feel like you know there's going to be some kind of like negative consequence or that I'd be judging them for asking. Um, so I can't you know um, it's hard to say for sure what you know a question I wish people would ask me is um, I can tell you for a fact that like across the industry, th the question I wish people would ask more just kind of broadly as a whole is um, about fees. Right. Um, it's really surprising. Uh, I mean, we're, we're really upfront with our fees. It's on the, you know, it's on the homepage of our website. It's right out there in the open. We don't try to hide it. Um, it's, it's just surprising, you know, this day and age, how many people come to us um, if they're already working with an advisor, um, how many people come to us and they really have no idea what they're paying. Sometimes they think it's free, but, you know, as we know, you know, nothing in life is free. Um, so you pay that's what you the get, question. Right. You pay, you pay for what you get. Yeah, I exactly. So um, really, I would say, you know, ask your advisor about fees. Um, if they if they kind of struggle to answer or they give you a really convoluted or confusing answer, um, usually that's not a great sign. Um, but yeah, I would say fees for sure is, um, you know, people are more conscious about it these days, uh, but still be sure to ask that question. Right. Um, and going through, because because you did have the experience with the uh, ultra high net worth, but then you also had the experience with, you know, mm -hmm just kind of beating the streets type thing to, to get um, new clients, you know, you know a lot more now. So mm -hmm. what is it that you know now that you wish you knew when you first got into the finance side of things? Yeah, for sure. Um, the main thing I wish I knew is that you don't have to know everything. Um, and most people don't expect you to know everything. Um, but in the beginning of my um, uh career in the finance space, I felt like I had to know the answer to every question, you know, that would come up. Right. And really, because I was kind of, you know, it was kind of like getting in your own head, you know, and you, you think, you feel like you're going to be exposed as like a phony if someone asks you a question and you don't have the answer to it, um, especially being younger. Right. And a lot of the um, prospects, a lot of the people you're talking to, you know, trying to get them to become clients, they they might have someone, they might have kids or grandkids that are the same age as you, you know, if you're in your 20s or 30s. So 
Um, you know, flash forward now, I've been in the industry for about eight years. So um, I feel like I know my limitations a little bit better. Um, you know, I'm more comfortable telling someone, you know, hey, I don't know the answer right now off the top of my head, but let me look into it and get back to you. Um, I think that goes over a lot better than you're trying to come up with something on the fly and it being totally wrong or, and then you have to go back and correct yourself. Um, so yeah, just realizing that you don't have to know everything. Right. Right. I think that that's, I think that's, you know, really important. I mean, especially, you know, you, you, you came up through accounting first and yes, a lot of that is kind of cut and dry, but mm -hmm. you can't have everything memorized. It's impossible. Yep. Yeah. Um, you know, but, but there's always the, Hey, you know, I'm not sure about that, but I can get back to you and let you know. Yeah, exactly. I, th I yeah. think that that's, I think that that's important for our listeners to understand also is, is that if they do go to somebody and this person seems to always have the answer, <laughs> you know, is it always, you know, the right answer is the question. Uh, right. So, you know, it's not, not, nothing wrong with not, uh, you know, knowing everything. Right. Um, so what are some of the common mistakes that you're seeing um, people make when it comes to, you know, investing or, you know, divesting uh, that's going on right now? Yeah, probably the, the biggest one that I'm seeing these days is, um, you know, a lot of people, um, and this is a good problem to have, um, but a lot of people are just kind of sitting on stockpiles of cash, you know, either in a savings account or, you know, a money market, which uh, obviously these days, you know, really not earning much of anything. I mean, like fractions of a penny on the dollar um, in interest. Uh, so again, I mean, it's a good problem to have. For, for most people, you know, given everything that's happened in the past year. Um, but over the long term, you know, it could still be a mistake nonetheless. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm really talking like younger people, you know, in their late 30s, early 40s, who are sitting on, you know, um, more cash than they would need. Um, as a rule of thumb, you know, from a financial planning perspective, we, we usually tell people to keep at least six months worth of their basic, you know, worth of their living expenses in the bank to cover emergencies, you know, your car breaks down or there's a medical bill, you know, uh, any kind of uncertainty. And then if you're, COVID. <laughs> yeah, COVID, exactly. Um, if you're planning for a major expense, you know, in the near term, like buying a new house, new car, um, you most likely should keep that in the bank too, you know, near term being, you know, within the next two to three years, maybe even the next five years, just depending on the situation and what it is. But I mean, once you have those things covered, um, you know, why wouldn't you want that invested in the stock market where your potential return um, and, you know, emphasis on the word potential, because with the stock market, I mean, there's going to be ups and downs. Right. Um, that's just the nature of the beast. Uh, but your p potential return is substantially greater than, you know, leaving it in a you know, bank account earning next to nothing. Right. So, you know, kind of taking a step back because, you know, you're, you're talking about, I'm going to say younger investors, you know, even let, let's take it back even a little bit further than that and saying somebody in their early 20s. I mean, can mm -hmm. you talk on how important it is that, you know, okay, I'm fresh out of college and I'm starting my first job and starting to put money away at that mm -hmm. point in time, you know, so later on, you know, just, you know, the simple compounding of interest, what, what right. that will do for somebody if they start early. Yeah, yeah. And it's really interesting. Um, 
we we come across that scenario pretty frequently um and really what i tell those people is i mean the greatest asset that you have at your disposal when you're straight out of college you know in your 20s is the 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 um, gift of time because mm-hmm. um, if you're talking about saving for retirement in a 401k or in an ira i mean this is money that you're you know most likely or you know best case scenario you're not going to touch that money for another 30 40 maybe 50 years um until you actually retire so just having that money invested um you know setting it up on autopilot basically you know through 401k through payroll deductions into your 401k or you know auto deposits into an ira you know just realizing that you have um the benefit of time that folks, you know, who are in their 50s or 60s, um, you know, it's it's not uncommon to when we're sitting down having planning discussions with people, you know, in their 50s or 60s, they come back and they're like, oh, man, I wish I could go back in time and, you know, tell myself to save more. Um, you know, there's really no secret. It's really just give you have that benefit of time. So, you know, um, take advantage of the um, compounding interest, you know, just get started with whatever little bit you can. Yeah, I try to, I try to, with, with my clients, I try to have them have their kids talk to me when they, you know, as soon as they graduate, so they get that first job and we get them to start, you know, and I tell them, it's like, look, even if it's 50 bucks a month, you start there and, you know, here, let's look at your tax withholdings to make sure that by the end of the year, you're not going to have a big tax bill or that you're not getting five, $6,000 back in tax refunds. Because to me, let me use that money during the year. I don't want to yeah. give Uncle Sam an interest-free loan. <laughs> let me let me have that money work for me, type thing. Yep. Um, and and that's what we really try to do with people. And then tell them it's like, okay, well, when you get that next raise, it's like, okay, you got to take a percent of that because you're not used to that money anyway. Yep. So take a piece of that. Let's invest that, and then you know keep going, and you still keep putting more more money in your pocket. Yeah. And I just find you know it's you know, there are still some people that are working that, that are, have pensions and things like that, but mm-hmm. most people don't. We have no idea where Social Security is going to be. Yep. So with all of these things, you really need to save for yourself. And mm-hmm. I think so many people aren't doing that. They're relying on the government or somebody else to, you know, take care of them in retirement. And, and I think we're going to soon run into some some big issues with that definitely definitely um so you know going through covid the past you know whatever year and a half now um what are some of the things that that you've had to pivot and change um because of it yeah i would say i mean kind of like everyone else um we're adjusting to less you know, in-person meetings and going more virtual. Um, I think that it's really been, you know, if any good can come of, you know, COVID, kind of the silver lining is I think um, we've noticed a lot of people are really comfortable doing, you know, Zoom meetings, um, you know, doing things virtually. Um, A lot of our clients are, you know, a lot of my clients are, you know, working professionals, they have jobs, they have kids. So it's not like they can just, you know, pause everything and, let's say in a non-COVID world, you know, it's pretty hard for them to come in for a meeting at 10 a.m. on a Tuesday 
Right. You know, whereas, I mean, how easy is it to schedule a Zoom, you know, at the end of the day or, you know, at whatever time is convenient, you know, during their lunch hour or whatever. Um, so I really, I think the big thing is just, you know, been adjusting to um, this industry has typically been, been a very, you know, face-to-face, -face, you know, kind of hand-to-hand combat industry. So just adjusting to, um, you know, society now where things are more virtual, you know, um, so I, that for sure, that's been the biggest adjustment. Yeah. I think that, you know, cause I know I've seen it, you know, with, with my clients is that, um, a lot of them always thought, oh, well, I have to take a half a day off because if I'm at the office, I would have to leave early. So, yep. forth and so on. Um, so we've been able to do that. And, and as compared to being on a teleconference, if we're doing Zoom, I can share my screen with you. Yep. Here's your tax return. You could do the same thing. Here's your portfolio. And and instead of, you know, the, you know drowning them in paper, they can <laughs> see it, you know, on the screen. And then you can certainly, you know, give them a PDF of it. Um, yeah, and I, sure. I think that that's I think that's something that has really changed in, um, uh, you know, I've been using Zoom even pre-COVID you know, with, you know, people who um, aren't located here uh, mm -hmm. often, and I've been able to, you know, and I've been doing their taxes for years, so we've been using Zoom for, for that, but, you know, during this, we've, we've done it more, um, and we're just now starting to go back to, to the in-person meeting. In-person. Mm -hmm. um, so, but we're still going to, we're going to keep offering both, uh, depending on what the clients want. Yeah, yeah, same here. I mean, um, in my email signature, I have a link to my online calendar, you know, yep. like my Calendly, and Zoom is an option on there. Um, so we obviously we started doing it with COVID, but I'm, I mean, I'm going to leave that as an option because I think a lot of people just really enjoy the convenience of it. Yeah, I think, and I, I'm, I'm it, it's funny, you know, looking at like the restaurants and stuff that a lot of them used to have the curbside yep. because of COVID. Now they're pulling that back, and it's just like, oh well. Man, that was just always kind of nice to be able to drive up and you carry this stuff out and, and yeah. I go and they're 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 changing it back and I'm really wondering how that's going to um, coming out of COVID how this is really going to affect businesses also right right for sure it's funny how quickly um, people kind of adjust to you know like the new normal quote unquote right. where I'm, I'm sure a lot of things that we're used to now just being like a year more than a year into COVID. Um, a lot of this stuff isn't going away, I'm sure, you know, with right. virtual and that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it really, um, again, everybody's kind of like, oh, it's getting back to the, to the way it used to be. It's like, well, I don't think it's, I don't think we're ever going to get back that way. And I definitely I not the businesses yeah. still need to be ready to pivot even more when mm -hmm. it comes to, to dealing with, you know, with their clients. Um, yeah. you know, I know that, that, you know, we like, more holistic where you know we're working with the financial advisors which is a big mistake that I see mm -hmm. um, a lot of CPAs don't do they're not working with the financial advisors and it's almost like you know you got these two entities in silos trying to yep. do something and I think it's very important for for the listeners to understand it's like you know we need to work with you with the estate attorneys and business attorneys and things like that and then build that team. Mm -hmm. uh, because if we don't, you know, what ends up happening is, you know, you're thinking that the client's talking to us to make sure that they have the estimated taxes paid on their capital gains. Mm -hmm. It's like, hey, they don't. And to, 
there's a big, yeah, and there's a disconnect. There's not that communication. Yep. Yep. Do you, you know, going into that, I mean, do you, how has the response been with your clients when you say, hey, let's bring your CPA in on this conversation? Um, how, how, how receptive have the clients been with that? I would, yeah, the vast majority of them are very receptive. Um, you know, for better or for worse, um, a good number of our clients are, you know, just kind of doing TurboTax. Um, and actually, in the past two years, we've now offered tax preparation services for clients. Okay. So me being a CPA, um, and we also have another CPA on our team here, um, are, are um, you know, offering tax prep services really for, it's it's more for like the do it or what used to be the do-it-yourself crowd, they're doing right. TurboTax. I mean, it's really just a W-2 and some investment income. Um, but I would say as a whole, I mean, we're, we definitely do take the team approach. Um, our clients with more complicated returns, I think, appreciate that we take the initiative to work with CPAs. Right. And uh, I mean, it's it's really the conversation or the, the preface of it is, you know, hey, we don't want to do anything on the investment side that's going to totally you know right. blow up your tax situation yeah um so let's make sure everyone's on the same page yeah no i i agree and i think that that's i think that's so important for people to understand you know and i and i think so many people would think it's like oh well you know that means i'm going to get billed by you i'm going to get billed by the cpa i'm going to get billed <laughs> by my attorney and i think lots of times you know I, at least I tell my clients, it's like, look, you know, if we're not talking about, you know, if we're talking the three hour meeting that we're going to be in, yeah, I got to bill you because it's my time. But right. if I'm getting on the phone with you and your investment advisor for a half hour or so, it's like, I'm not sending you another bill, you know, for that. <laughs> I just think that that's part of us helping you with your, you know, preparation right. of the tax returns. And I think that one of the things that the people miss is, and you guys do it, it's you do planning. You do mm -hmm. financial planning. And that's where I try to tell people there's a difference between tax preparation and tax planning. They're not sure. one in the same. They're two totally different things. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that's important, you know, for people to understand also. Yeah, for sure. So we talked about a lot of stuff today. Um, what, what question haven't I asked you that you wish that I had? I would say, um, so you know, why, why work with a financial advisor anyway? Um, it's not uncommon. I would say it's probably about 50, 50, um, with new clients that come to us, you know, half of them have worked with an advisor or they are working with an advisor. And then the other half have never worked with an advisor. Um, it's a lot more work to, I think, convince or, you know, explain the benefits of working with an advisor to someone that's never done it before. Right. Um, so, I mean, just kind of my, my high level spiel of the benefit of working with a financial professional is just, you know, having a, a trusted confidant, um, someone who's able to sift through all the noise and all the information out that, that's out there. Because it's not, the problem nowadays isn't a lack of information. Um, that was a problem in the 80s and 90s where um, you pretty much had to go to a stockbroker in order to invest because they were basically the gatekeepers of all the information. Right. Um, the problem now is that there's so much information available at our fingertips. But um, so, you know, how do you know that you're making the best decision or the right decision for you and your family? Um, because, you know, some random article on the internet or, you know, Wikipedia or whatever, they're not going to know your personal situation. Right. 
um, they're not going to know your tax situation, you know, your retirement lifestyle or needs. Um, so just having that trusted confidant or that expert that's able to sift through all that noise. Yeah. And again, it goes back to what we talked about earlier, planning. Mm -hmm. You, you got to do that. Um, you know, I definitely think that, that, you know, it's important to use a professional um, in, in anything that you do, because there is, I mean, you know, yes, there's, the, you know, the, the robo advisors. Yes, there's the, you know, big box stores, you know, tax preparers that, oh, yeah, we're here type thing. But mm -hmm. you, you need that sounding board. And lots of times, you know, you and I as a, as a professional are talking people off the cliff. Mm -hmm. um, and, and if you're using one of these, you know, uh, online things, you're not going to have that. And I think right. that's, that, that's always important to have somebody yeah. to, to listen. Like, yeah. Like when, when you most need it to, you really want to call a 1-800 number and be on hold and then get bounced around to different people every time you call. Right. Right. It, I mean, it's definitely nice being able to talk to the same person every time because then they do understand. They know you. you know, a mm -hmm. lot more. So, mm -hmm. So Taylor, if if those you know our listeners like what they're hearing, um, how can they get in touch with you? Yeah, yeah. So there's a couple of different ways to to get in touch with us. The first, obviously, is our website, um, TaylorHoffman.com. Um, another avenue would be um, our investment team actually produces a daily stock market newsletter. It's called Market Bites. Um, it's totally free. You can sign up online on our website. Um, um, so that's a good way to, you know, get kind of a high level overview of what's happening in the market, what's happening in the economy, but at the same time, not, you know, having to sit down and read the Wall Street Journal, you know, front to back, you right. know, we're kind of giving you the highlights, um, everything that you need to know. Um, we're on all the social media outlets, you know, so Facebook, LinkedIn, um, even TikTok. If you have uh, younger listeners, we got a TikTok page. Um and the last way I think is the most exciting um, way to, you know, kind of keep in touch with us that we're really excited about is we're actually building an iPhone app right now. It's called okay. Avidus, and it's really meant to address what I think is one of the biggest problems in the finance industry is, you know, that the people that need our help the most are often the ones that um, can, can least afford it or are given the least amount of attention. Right. from financial firms so we've we're producing or we're developing um an iphone app called avidus which is um we're really trying to democratize um you know access to investment professionals uh and financial professionals who again are typically being ignored by you know kind of the big box stores like you mentioned um so you know young professionals people in college out of college um so um, the iPhone app, Avidus, is coming out um, later this year, around, okay. I'd say, fall of 2021. And it's, um, it's, you know, great. You can open up an account with us in, you know, 30 seconds on your phone. And then you have access to our in, uh, proprietary investment ideas. Um, so you have access, I think, to that high-level touch all through the convenience of, of an iPhone app. So, again, that's, that's called Avidus. Um, and I'll send you the link as well. So um, sure. it's on our web web page. Yeah. That's that's great. That's that's mm -hmm. uh, you know pretty cool to be able to to have something like that uh, you know for your clientele. Yeah, yeah, and I mean it's to us it's a natural progression too. Especially, I mean, COVID was kind of the the impetus of you know things are moving virtual. Um, how do we stay in touch, or how do we connect with 
people, um, you know, because we've kind of already solved the problem here in Richmond, Virginia, you know, meeting with people one on one and providing them with great, you know, solid um, personalized financial advice. But how do we how do we expand that and really, you know, expand on our mission um, to help people? Uh, and to us, an iPhone app was just a natural extinction, uh, extension of, right. of helping people. That's awesome. So, uh, Taylor, I really appreciate your time today. Um, I know our listeners are, are going to get a lot from this. Um, thank you. Today, our guest has been Taylor Jesse, investment advisor, uh, who is the director of financial planning with Taylor Hoffman. Thank you for your time. Yeah, thanks, Gary. It's been a lot of fun. appreciate it. This show has been produced by Market Domination, LLC. To discover how you can have your own show completely done for you and turn it into a real published book and become the authority in your marketplace, go to www.marketdominationllc.com slash podcast offer. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.